You know, I had a great lesson plan for my administrative observation a couple years ago, so I'm just going to kind of go over it, uh, how it went. Okay, class, what's conflict? I asked. No answers. Maybe you've been there. Nobody knows what conflict is? No answers. Well, let me show you. I then walked over to my administrator, punched her in the arm, and laughed. Unaffected, she lifted me over her head, body slammed me, did 15 WWE-style leg drops on my neck, fired me, and suggested I begin teaching conflict in literature by getting a list of short stories for teaching conflict. Luckily, I ran into her at my disciplinary board hearing where she gave me more tips on teaching conflict in literature and handed me her list of short stories for teaching conflict. I now share it with you. You're welcome. Hey, this is Trent Lorcher, and welcome to the Teaching ELA podcast, where I help ELA teachers thrive in and out of the classroom. In this podcast, I discuss real teaching for real classrooms. Whether it's a specific piece of literature, teaching strategy, or life strategy, I talk about things ELA teachers need. I promise that with each podcast episode, you'll have something you can use today. In today's episode of the Teaching ELA podcast, I discuss several short stories with a focus on conflict. They include The Most Dangerous Game, To Build a Fire, The Monkey's Paw, Through the Tunnel, and Harrison Bergeron. I've got an emergency lesson plan you can get on the board right now involving conflict. Class is about to start and you need something right now, so here's the one thing you can put on the board right now so when the students come in, you'll be ready to roll. All lesson plans we discuss in this podcast can be found at elacommoncorelessonplans.com. Get to the board right now. Right on there, I can cite textual evidence to analyze conflict. Now, the purpose here is to help students understand how conflict drives everything in regards to short story plot. You may want to cover the different types of conflict. Uh, They are person versus person, person versus self, person versus supernatural, person versus uh, nature, person versus supernatural. All right. Draw two boxes on the board vertically stacked. In one box, hopefully they are at the board right now. In one of the boxes, write a type of conflict in the story you've chosen to read. In another box, write another type of conflict in the story you're about to read. Instruct students to write about a personal experience using first-person point of view involving the two types of conflicts you wrote in the boxes. Whatever short story you've chosen, if there's uh, pick one type of conflict in it, students are going to write about it but they're going to write about it in their life. So let's say you're going to read The Most Dangerous Game. You know there's a person versus person conflict in there. They can write about a conflict they've had with another person. Or if you're reading To Build a Fire by Jack London, which uh, is a person versus nature primary conflict, you can have students uh, write about a time where they've been out in nature and experienced a conflict. So read uh, once once they've written on it. This will take about, depends on your class, 10 to 15 minutes, you can have students share. You can have students share what they wrote about. Then read a story of your, cho- of your choice, perhaps one of the stories we talk about in this podcast, and then instruct students to summarize the conflict from the story you read. So we set them up with a pre-writing with a pre-reading writing assignment, and then we cement the info as they read. So that's an entire, this will, this will take an entire class period, Depend, depends on the story you're reading, but it should take an entire class period, and, and students, it's not just a time filler assignment, it's a students mastering the skill of citing, connecting to literature, and then writing an objective summary as well. 
All right, let's get to our list of short stories for teaching conflict. Now, a primary theme on the Teaching ELA podcast is helping you teach the one thing that will make teaching everything else easier or no longer necessary. If you've listened to this podcast at all, and I hope you do, and if you haven't, why the heck not? <laughs> if you're an ELA teacher, of course. For this list of short stories for teaching conflict, I chose one story for each of the major types of conflict. We're going to start with person versus person. In this case, it's a man versus man conflict in the most dangerous game. We have Zaroff in Rainsford. If you've read this story, you're well familiar with this. They engage in a battle for the ages. I called it the Super Bowl of Hunting on my website. And if you've listened to the Most Dangerous Game podcast I did not too long ago, you will also recognize the Super Bowl of Hunting reference as well. Apparently, as you know, Zaroff approves of hunting humans. Not only does he approve of hunting humans, he, he claims to have invented the sport of hunting humans. I, for one, know that humans have hunted humans long before Zaroff set up his castle in the Caribbean. But hey, if he wants to take credit for it, good for him. As long as he doesn't hunt me, I'm good. And he also does the whole, I'm going to have hounds, a gun, an assistant, and home island advantage, and, and somehow I win all the time. If the dude was really bored with hunting, I don't know why he just didn't go to another island and hunt someone else. We've also done a uh, podcast on the next story we're going to talk about, To Build a Fire. This is a man versus nature story. The main character learns the hard way that he should have paid attention when the locals tell you not to venture outside when you're traveling through the Yukon. Uh, The moronic main character ignores the advice of the local experts and finds himself in a world of hurt because it's like negative 75 degrees. I'll give you an example from my own life. Here's a good example from the two-minute emergency lesson plan I gave you already. I were doing this assignment, and of course I'm not doing this assignment because I graduated high school. (laughs) I even graduated college. Anyhow, uh, a few July's ago, my van's engine caught on fire at the intersection of Lake Mead and Boulder Highway on the hottest day of summer in Las Vegas. It was 119 degrees, to be exact. Now, I suppose London's narrator could have borrowed my van and survived. By the way, you should never uh, you should never buy or own a 1998 Plymouth Voyager van, especially a purple one that caught on fire a few years ago, unless you plan on driving in the Yukon. He could have used that fire. I, on the other hand, was battling the elements because my engine literally caught on fire at an intersection. I had my baby daughter with me at the time, man versus nature. Luckily, believe it or not, the citizens of this great city, Las Vegas, that I lived in at the time, about 100 people stopped and gave me water, mainly because they saw me holding a baby. But let's go to man versus supernatural. The Monkey's Paw by W.W. Jacobs. This is a little man versus supernatural. We got good old Sergeant Major Morris returns from India with a monkey's paw, which happened to be cursed by a fakir. Now, if you do teach this story, you may want to go over the pronunciation of the word fakir, F-A-K-I-R, or it could lead to, well, never mind. You know what it could lead to. Sergeant Major Morris pulls the equivalent of the, you know, I would tell you uh, this joke class, but it's not appropriate for school. You know what I'm talking about? How many times have you thought of a joke and just started laughing, then you realize, I better not tell this in class because it's probably not appropriate. And then you say, oh, I'd tell you this joke class, but it's not appropriate for school. So what do they want? They want to hear the joke, but you don't tell it anyhow because you're smarter than that. Sergeant Major Morris conjures up a desire in his listeners to possess the monkey's paw. Now, there's this one dude, Herbert. You've probably read this story. Herbert decides to make fun of it. You never, never ever make fun of a cursed monkey's paw. <laughs> it's just not smart. It's just not smart. As with all conflicts involving the supernatural, the doomed are warned in advance. Let's 
go over to England. Stay in England. I believe the monkey's paw was set in England. And we're going to go back to Europe with through the tunnel, individual versus self. Now, on this one, a young English mama's boy attempts to become a man by swimming through an underwater tunnel. Now, this story has some serious symbolism in about becoming a man that you probably don't want to get into in your class. His descent into the underwater tunnel involves heavy breathing, blood, ecstasy, and an incredible sense of accomplishment. Again, pretend that the story really isn't about that, that it's about a uh, you know, kid trying to swim through a tunnel. Great story for individual versus self. It is a really good story. And let's get to individual versus society. I stepped on a plastic bag just now. It scared the heck out of me. Anyhow, Harrison Bergeron is physically and mentally gifted. This story is by my favorite author, too, by the way, Kurt Vonnegut. Now, in the time Bergeron lives in, because he's so physically and mentally gifted, the government has to give him some handicaps. And uh, he fights the government, of course, and you usually know how that, what happens. Can't fight City Hall, right? Giving you five short stories for teaching conflict. We have the most dangerous game, man versus man. We have to build a fire, man versus nature, person versus nature. I always teach it person versus nature, but these specific stories uh, is man versus man and man versus nature. We have individual versus self with through the tunnel. We have individual versus society with Harrison Bergeron. Oh, we have individual man versus supernatural with the monkey spot. I just realized all five of these short stories have male main characters. I need to diversify this a little, don't I? Ladies, I apologize. I will make a change. Not to this podcast, but you can find story. I, 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 as far as conflict goes, I, uh, if you want female protagonist, I'm a big fan of the story of an hour where we have the female protagonist, Mrs. Mallard. Other stories involving female protagonist include Lamb to the Slaughter, Marigolds, The Worn Path. These are good stories for teaching conflict with female protagonists. We also have Rose for Emily. A White Heron. I've done a uh, podcast on A White Heron. Great story. The Lottery, kind of. That doesn't end well, does it now? All right, that sound can only mean one thing. It means it's time for the one thing. That's right. If there's one thing you teach from this story, it's going to be this right here. Remember our one reading standard we focus on here at the Teaching ALA podcast? Of course you do. It's I can cite textual evidence to support literary analysis. So let's take a look at, these are actual, the the career-ready standards I'm referencing right now. Career-ready standards, national standards, you can get from the lessons I showcase at ELACommonCoreLessonPlans.com and the one lesson I'm about to share with you right now. Talked about citing textual evidence. So if you're citing textual evidence to support literary analysis, kind of feel like that if you give the Moose a Muffin type book right now. Anyhow, citing the textual evidence that most strongly supports an analysis of what the text says leads students to determine a theme or central idea of a text, which leads students to analyze how particular lines of dialogue or incidents in a story propel the action, reveal aspects of character, blah, 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 provoke a decision. You don't have to teach all this because if you're teaching students to cite textual evidence to support literary analysis, you already are. So you focus on one standard, and the other ones get taught naturally, easily. And if you can do this with literary text, you can easily adapt the skill to informational text. Students who are able to master this skill of citing textual evidence to support analysis will also learn how to better write and organize complex ideas for their writing. So you're nailing 
reading literature standards, reading informational standards, writing standards, speaking standards, and of course these skills carry over into other subjects. I love it. Why do we complicate it? We don't need to complicate it. It's simple. Simple. When students master how to cite textual evidence with a purpose, everything else becomes either no longer necessary or easier to teach. So, what does mastery of this skill look like? Now, we all teach that conflict is a clash between opposing forces or a struggle between opposing forces. Here are the levels. We can teach students to define conflict. That's level one and identify the primary types of conflict. That's level one. You can teach a monkey to do this, all right? You got to you gotta know the definitions in order to get to mastery, but simply knowing a definition isn't going to cut. It has no value outside of a classroom. We're here to create value outside of the classroom. If all they get, if the only value your students get is what happens in a classroom is a, is a, is a letter that you assign sometimes randomly, let's be honest. If the only value they get is a letter you put in a grade book, we're not doing our job then. We need to give them something they can take outside in the quote unquote real world. Level two. Students can identify a conflict. Now, you'd have trouble teaching a monkey to identify a conflict in a story unless it's a really, really, really smart monkey. Simply identifying it, however, simply, if all they get is level two, this, again, has no practical application outside of a classroom, but we're getting close. Level three, that's what we're going for here. Analyze details that contribute to the conflict and how the conflict drives plot, theme, characterization, all those other things. Now we're at the standard and at least approaching mastery. Students who can do this are using this lesson, are using critical thinking skills to get to the objective. These skills can be applied outside of the classroom. Remember, we're preparing students for jobs that do not exist right now. And in order to get them to be able to do these jobs that don't exist right now, we need to teach them to think critically. We need to teach them to cite textual evidence, to cite evidence in general, and draw conclusions, analyze, come up with solutions, and make sense of the evidence for themselves. This, I'm not going to use the term 21st century learning because it's a cliche, and most administrators, when they use this term, have no idea what they're talking about. I do. This is what we need to be doing. Teaching students to think critically. And the great thing is, I'm getting excited. All right. Luckily, there's a cord on my microphone and I can't run around. Or I could be breaking stuff right now. I'm so doggone excited. This is this is why I love teaching. I, I don't even remember what I was talking about. I got so excited. Anyhow. Oh, another thing is, not only are we giving students the tools that will give them access to a much greater world by helping them develop critical thinking skills, we can scale this lesson. We can differentiate this lesson for all levels. All levels. Because when a student's analyzing evidence, we can require different levels of complexity depending on the grade level, reading level, whether they're a special education student with an IEP. Everyone, everyone can achieve this standard on different levels of complexity. And you're the professional. You get to decide which level they're at. Isn't that awesome? <sighs> Man, I love this job. If you want to take it to level four, and this is, this is you know, I, I wouldn't, I'd say level three. If a student consistently does level three, that's an A in my book. Level four is taken to the next level, which is using conflict in their own writing or speaking in order to accentuate their points, develop their points. So uh, let me give you a quick, le- you know, a lesson you can use with this. I already summarized 
five stories using conflict. I introduced some more stories using conflict. And you can just do the simple simple chart here. Uh, a short story unit lists the short stories in one column. In the middle column, have students summarize the conflict, the primary conflict in that story. In the right column, have them provide two or three pieces of evidence that support that conflict. You can even have them write about it if you want. And if they can do that, they'll be ready. Three takeaways from this podcast. One, everyone can connect with conflict. Everyone. Everyone has a conflict, has experienced conflict. Use the two-minute lesson plan that we talked about earlier involving conflict and point of view to help students internalize literature and make connections. Because once they start making connections, then they become engaged and boom, you got learning. Learning! Two, although most stories involve multiple types of conflicts, I've given you exemplary texts for teaching the five major types of conflict. Three, uh, teaching the skill of citing textual evidence to support analysis not only excites me, but it makes teaching all other standards either no longer necessary or easier to teach. I'm so glad you listened. I mean that from the bottom of my heart. And Jane, wherever you are, I hope you enjoyed this and you can use it today. Thanks for listening to the Teaching ELA podcast. For more teacher-ready, student-ready lesson plans, head on over to ELACommonCoreLessonPlans.com. That's ELACommonCoreLessonPlans.com, where we have hundreds of lesson plans and handouts that are ready to use right now. And as always, if this podcast has helped you thrive in the classroom, we'd appreciate a like and a review. 